Modern Mamas podcast. I'm Jess, a level one CrossFit trainer and a licensed and certified athletic trainer. I have my master's in kinesiology and I'm currently studying to be a certified nutrition consultant and birth fit coach. I'm the blogger behind Paleo-ish and the soon to be launched Hold the Space Wellness, as well as a mama to two small kiddos. I'm here with Laura, a certified CrossFit trainer, a certified nutrition consultant, and BirthFit Santa Cruz regional director. She's also a soon-to-be mama. She is the woman behind Radical Roots, where you can find recipes, insights, and nutrition consulting. We're here to provide a safe place for open dialogue, insights, and anecdotes about empowered pregnancy, labor, delivery, parenthood, and everything in between with zero judgment and open hearts and minds. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Hi, welcome to episode two of the Modern Mamas podcast. We are talking about Pregnancy Self-Care 101 today, um, and I know Laura is probably going to be talking a lot during this episode, so get your water ready um, so you can... (laughs) Keep your throat nice and, yeah, got your cold brew ready. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about what's in Laura's cold brew today um, because I know it has some really good yummy things um, that are pregnancy related. So um, we currently at the time of recording, we are waiting for iTunes to accept our podcast (laughs) Um, and so anxiously, that's anxiously <laughs> awaiting, that's been a total learning curve for us, but, um, hopefully by the time this launches, we will be live and you will have already heard our introduction and learned a lot about us, um, personally, but we're going to pretty much start every podcast with just a little check-in, kind of see how things are going in our world, a little fun, um, personal insight, and then we'll jump into the meat of the podcast. But I want to know, Laura, how are mm-hmm. you doing? Are you still pregnant? <laughs> I'm <Is> still <laughs> pregnant. So I'll be 39 weeks tomorrow. Um, I went to the chiropractor yesterday and she thinks that based on what I've told her about like how things are progressing and how I feel and the, all the sensations that come with late, late pregnancy, that this baby's not going to take too much longer to come. So that's pretty exciting, but yep, still pregnant. Um, <laughs> feeling pretty good. A couple weeks, about a week and a half ago, I had some round ligament pain. I strained on my round ligaments. I'm not even quite sure how. Um, and that's thanks to chiropractic and massage that's totally resolved. So that's been uh, awesome. Cause now I can go, we've got these stairs, um, here in Santa Cruz, they call the induction stairs. And, um, they're like the perfect each steps. Like the, it's just like you can kind of like waddle up. <laughs> and so, um, I have had a lot of friends who've had success going to those stairs and just doing like repeats, um, from the beach up to the parking lot and it helps to kind of get things going. So we're ready. We're super ready to meet her. And, um, I feel good, but I, you know, I also am very ready. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. It feels like at the end of pregnancy, it feels like you've been pregnant for like five years, like you're carrying an yeah. elephant or something. Seriously, and we moved from Washington. We we moved away from Washington to back to California, July early July, um, and then we bought our place in Santa Cruz in the beginning of September. So I feel like, and then I got pregnant at the end of September. So I feel like I've been pregnant the whole time we've lived back here, <laughs> and so That's I'm crazy. pretty excited to not be pregnant and, eat, <laughs> <laughs> and to be able to eat garlic again. That's been a really weird aversion. Like really. Yeah. The whole time I I can't even really stand the smell of it. So, and I used to put garlic on everything. So I'm ready to eat and I want like, I can't wait for, um, sushi and sashimi. It's interesting. We'll get into this, but like in terms of what you are and aren't supposed to eat, I've picked some that I just, I like I'm eating raw cheese and then others like raw fish. I'm like, eh, not going to happen. So, um, yeah, I'm just ready to just kind of have, uh, I know, Life will be different, but I'm ready to at least not have a, a human growing inside me. Yeah, so I'm just ready to um, be able to just have my body, but I, that's not to say that this experience hasn't been incredible. I've loved every minute, and being pregnant is magic. It's not, it's not, um, it's not always super fun, but it's always magical, so I'm trying to remember that. But Absolutely. yeah, that's, it's like every, every update in my life right now, for the most part, is <laughs> pregnancy-related, but... Um, no, that's fun. I, I'm taking, I'm still taking one-on-one consults. Um, obviously there's going to be a pause, but that'll be nice. Cause I can pick that up pretty quickly. Um, after little ones here, because I do most of them remotely. So that's great. I've been doing, um, some 
talks at a local rehab center, which has been really great. So I do that once a month. So that's going on pause, but I'll pick that up pretty soon after. Um, yeah, but things are good. Santa Cruz weather is beautiful and the beach is calling <laughs> and You're so lucky. Yeah. I love it. Here. <laughs> I really do. Do you have any plans for like family to come in after baby? Or are you all trying to like kind of keep alone time? Very good question. No one is staying at our house. Okay. That's smart. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if my family's going to listen to this or not. I love you guys, but uh, we're not even going to tell anyone when I go into labor. Um, we just want to do that process alone, just the two of us with the baby, and then tell everyone when she's here. And then depending on... My family lives about 40 minutes away, so that's not... And then my husband's family is about two and a half hours. Um, and so once she's here, whether if everything goes really well, we'll probably leave the hospital pretty quickly and come home and then they can come visit at home. And if we decide to stay another, like a full, another night, then they'll come to the hospital when I feel ready, um, to meet her. So, yeah. And then as far as I'm, I'm kind of, I've told everyone, like we want them to be there and to meet her. Um, but I don't know how much help I'll need. Rusty's around a lot right now because Mm -hmm. he's, coaching just down the street so he can walk home between classes. Um, and I would rather feel, I just don't want to feel overwhelmed. Right. And family can do that to me sometimes. So, and they're very understanding and, you know, I'm sure we'll have them. I just don't know how, how I want them there and I want them to meet her and be there and all that, but I'm not sure how much. So yeah, definitely. I, um, you don't know what you don't, what you need until you're actually in it. And so for me, especially with the second one, I was a lot more vocal, saying I need space. Like I'm trying to navigate breastfeeding. Like your boobs are hanging out. Like, yeah. you know, I you're plan to be naked. It's summer yeah. in Santa Cruz. <laughs> yeah. You're like uncomfortable still. Like your body's still weird. Like it's really just like, to me at least it was so important to have me, my son, bear Camille and Tim, like just together trying to figure it out. And then, yeah. you know, it's like people don't, they just, they're excited. They want to meet the baby. They want to see you. And that's totally understandable. But at the same time, we had to really kind of say, you can come over you can bring us food. Like you can say hi, but really like setting boundaries, like healthy boundaries, um, I think is totally appropriate. And I didn't learn that until the second go around. So first, first postpartum experience was kind of stressful for me. It was like, Oh my God, all these people, you're anxious, like right. uh, hormones are flowing tears are flowing, milk is flowing. Somehow when family's around, you feel almost more vulnerable or more, Mm -hmm. it could be extra overwhelming because they know you super well or whatever. You know, I know I find myself getting more emotional sometimes around family. And my mom told me, so she should understand because her, um, when I'm the oldest and when she had me, my dad's family came to visit and like stayed for a week at the house when they had a newborn and that like kind of gave her some postpartum depression. So, um, I think everyone understands that we don't want anyone staying the night here. They can come for like snippets and when they do come, they will be helping. (laughs) Right. Right. And that's like the thing. It's like, they're staying in your house. You feel responsible for them. You Mm -hmm. feel like you have to take care of them, keep the house clean. And that should not be your focus at all. So, so you I think, I think everyone understands they've been really sweet about it and it's not, it's not like, it's nothing personal. It's just, this is the time when, and who knows, maybe I'll be like, Hey, I want you guys here, Mm -hmm. but, um, as often as possible, but I I don't think so, but I'm also not telling them for sure one way or the other. I'm like, we're going to leave it open and see how things go. We've never done this before. (laughs) You reserve (laughs) the right to change your mind. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, cool. That's yeah. Uh, what is up with you? I, I, I know you have a pretty cool announcement, so I'll let you take that from here. Yeah. So if you've been following me on Instagram, I was formerly at Jess Paleo ish and we officially launched the new site, which is hold the space wellness. Um, that was this weekend, this past weekend. Um, and so I have changed my Instagram handle over to Jess dot hold the space, which is super exciting. Um, and the website is www.holdthespacewellness.com and, um, it's beautiful. And I have to give a shout out to my husband, Tim, because he totally was the architect behind that. He's the, the technology guy. Um, gosh, I just owe him a ton for that, but it's beautiful. It's everything that I want in there. We're going to be talking about nutrition, all my old recipes and stuff were able to come over from the old site. So that's all there. Um, but we'll talk about nutrition, fitness, movement, lifestyle, um, all of that good stuff. Um, 
it's really exciting. That's pretty much the biggest thing on my plate right now. I'm super um, excited about yeah. it. Yeah. And so, gosh, I'm my life is boring compared to yours. And I don't know about that. You have two kids. <laughs> Just keeping jobs. Keeping kids alive over here. That's my number I saw, one goal. I saw you posted some pretty amazing looking food pictures yesterday. The new restaurant opened. Oh, yeah. So we had a working lunch yesterday. Um, yeah, with Cassie from Fed and Fit. She is actually, I would consider her one of my mentors in this whole thing. I think I reached out to her last year when I wanted to start um, paleo-ish. And she, I was just like, can you give me any tips, any pointers? Like just thinking she was going to shoot me an email. And she's just like, come to San Antonio. We'll meet. Like we'll get coffee. I mean, if you know her from her, so cool. her online presence, she is just like the nicest most outgoing, genuinely like caring person in the world. She also is so busy, but she somehow makes time for pretty much everybody in her life, which is amazing. Um, and so, yeah, we had lunch at this new place and in San Antonio. So we have Austin about an hour down the road and Austin is like this cool hippie, like Probably a lot I love like Santa. Austin. I know, probably a lot like <laughs> Santa Cruz. Um, but so many food options. I mean, everyone there is super open minded for Texas. Um, and San Antonio, we're like the little sister of Austin. So we're getting there, getting a lot of more coffee options, more food options. So this place was really good. It's called Redbird Pharmacy. Pharmacy, like F A R M, um, instead of traditional pharmacy. I love plays on words. Yeah, it's so cute. It was really good. I had gluten-free chicken and waffles because, duh, and it was so good. (laughs) It looked amazing. It was really good. When I come visit, we will eat there. Absolutely. I cannot wait for that. I didn't know. Wait, are you only an hour from Austin? An hour from Austin. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. Yeah. So when we go to, uh, we're already planning, you guys, Paleo FX next year. So hopefully. We should try and have a booth. We should. That'd be cool. I mean, guys, you don't even know. We have so many plans in the works for taking over <laughs> the, the world. <laughs> so I love it. We'll start with Paleo FX. <laughs> yeah, it's a good start. <laughs> cool. Anything else? Um, I don't think so. I think uh, let's dive in. I'm okay. excited to tackle this topic. Go for it. I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So, as Jess said, we're going to talk about um, about pregnancy self-care 101. So specifically with a focus on fitness and nutrition, and then also kind of like, um, headspace mindset, taking care of you on, and you're more like your mental and emotional state. So though fitness and nutrition both kind of play into that as well. Um, so we thought we'd start with fitness and this is something I'm super, um, engrossed in right now because first off I am pregnant. I've been through all the trimesters. Um, I am a birth fit coach, which I know Jess is on her way to becoming one as well, birth fit regional director, and then also certified CrossFit trainer. So I've dealt with, um, over my years of training with a lot of mamas, but it's not until this past year that I've really figured out how to best serve them and best scaling options. And also a little bit more about how capable they are, um, in terms of just what a woman can do while she's pregnant, not only in the gym, but she's also growing a human, which is really cool. Um, so in regards to fitness, I think the most important thing is, is a shift in mindset regarding fitness. And we go from whatever your goals were pre-pregnancy, whether that was aesthetic goals, which is fine, zero judgment there, aesthetic goals or competitive goals or whatever the case may be, there has to be a shift because now ultimately what you're training for is pretty much like the biggest athletic event of your life. And that's labor and delivery. Um, and then also your training so that your body will recover more quickly postpartum. So it's not just training for that event, but it's also training super intentionally as to not do any, um, quote unquote damage. And also to just get your body in a state where after you have the baby, you take some time to recover and you're then prepared to come back healthy and, and strong and, um, without having any sort of long-term issues. So fitness is actually incredibly important. I know, you know, a lot of midwives or OBs will say you got to move for whatever reasons, more like headspace and to not gain weight and to avoid gestational diabetes. But it's not just training to avoid things. It's also training to excel at something and to thrive in that great athletic event and in your postpartum period. Um, and also, one thing I found time and time again, and now I've experienced personally, is that staying active throughout this pregnancy 
um, and not just walking, but actually lifting weight and moving, um, you know, get, training intentionally in terms of the types of workouts that I do. Uh, it's made it so that now I'm 39 weeks and my body feels good and I can pick things up off the ground and I can get out of bed and, uh, you know, I feel good. And I really credit that to staying active in a very intentional way. So, um, yeah. So I know you, you're in this right now. I can give a little bit of perspective, um, from yeah, having been through that before, um, with my first pregnancy, I did CrossFit up until literally like the day before I delivered. Um, mm-hmm. and so it was, there was a lot of good that I feel I took from that. There was also some things I'm sure we'll talk about later on that I didn't, I wasn't aware of, um, that I really, not necessarily a regret, but I wish I had known now because I'm dealing with different physical, um, aspects, um, now post-pregnancy, but I, my first pregnancy, I was in labor over 24 hours, like hard labor. Ooh. Yes. And so most of that was because I'm plugging this baby's ears. So, so <laughs> that doesn't happen now. <laughs> I pray it does not happen to you. Um, but you know, I got through it. I survived and I really feel like the stamina, I mean, it literally the stamina to go for 24 hours, um, walking, standing, moving, um, you know, just mentally the stamina, um, needed to get through that. I would not have been able to do that had I not kept up with my physical activity. And granted, we'll talk about it. It wasn't like I was going hard and aiming for, um, you know, PRs or like anything like that. It was just moving my body and continuing, continuing to do the things that I knew I was able to do. Um, if I, if I hadn't done that, there was no way I would have been able to get through it, to get through it. And my midwives even said that they were just so shocked and I really owe it to just staying active. Now on the flip side of that, I didn't know anything about things like diastasis, um, recti. I didn't know anything about how my core was going to be affected, um, during pregnancy and things I, you know, not intuitive things I shouldn't have been doing, um, as far as like movements. So like I was doing pull-ups and I would see my diastasis, you know, it looks like a little alien during pull-ups. Um, and I was just like, Oh, that's weird. That's, you know, whatever. It doesn't, doesn't hurt. Like whatever. Um, little did I know that I probably shouldn't have been doing that. Not because it was inherently bad, but because I wasn't working, um, on the other side of that to, to strengthen my core and do breath work and all that stuff during pregnancy to avoid making that diastasis worse. Does that make sense? You on mute? Yeah, I'm mute. <laughs> um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And that's where, that's where the intentionality comes in. It's like, you know, CrossFit is incredible. Weight, weight lifting, whatever type of exercise you're going to do is incredible for preparing. But then also there's a line where you can go overboard or do the quote unquote, like wrong movements for pregnancy, which those things do exist. There's an actual, like there are movements that no woman should do while pregnant, no matter how she's feeling, whether she sees the, the alien diastasis or not, you know? <laughs> um, and so, because it just, it just sets you up for potential for diastasis and mm-hmm. to have that separation of the abdominal, uh, wall and, and for things like, um, um, you know, uterine prolapse down the line and, and whatnot. We want a strong pelvic floor and all that. So, um, so that's where it's really important that if you, you know, you don't know that you do research early, um, you talk to someone like a birth at regional director or a birth fit coach, or you do research online, you look at what you should and shouldn't be doing. And then I think more important than anything else is just being in tune with your body and really thinking about as you do each movement intentionally, is this, serving me or is it potentially hurting me? Um, and hurting, you know, it doesn't have to actually physically hurt. You don't need to feel pain, but it could be something that could affect you down the line. And I think as women, we have a really beautiful instinct to know, you know, what feels good and what doesn't. There's been a couple of times as pregnancy where I've stopped in the middle of a workout because I'm like, this does not feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it was a movement that felt good two days earlier in that moment, in that day, it didn't feel right. So I stopped. And it's okay. We don't need to have egos at this time. You know, this is one time in your life where it's like ego goes out the window. <laughs> no one's going to judge you if you're like, Hey, this doesn't feel good. It's like, okay, then don't. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, and then another thing, I don't know if you had this experience, but 
during my first trimester, super sick, nauseous. Um, oh my gosh. I could not, I couldn't work out. Like I just, I literally couldn't do much at all. And at the time it was like, I felt guilty. Um, like I wasn't doing the right thing or, you know, I should be able to work out. And I think so many women go through that. Um, and it's normal and it's okay. It's like, you will get back to doing whatever, you know, exercise routine feels good for you. Um, and it's okay to allow yourself to be in the moment and experience all the things, whether that's nausea or discomfort or whatever. You're bringing me right back. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was the worst. Um, and so that's okay too. Like there are, there's a time and place for everything. And you know, it's not a time to feel guilt about what you can and cannot do. No, not at all. And I'm glad you said that because I said, you know, my body feels so good right now um, in my third trimester. And I credit that to weightlifting or working out or doing birth fit, CrossFit, et cetera. But I did, I took week five to 10. It took everything in me to take my dogs out to go to the bathroom. I spent most of that time in bed, then crawling hands and knees to the couch and then like fetal position on the couch. I was so sick. I was so sick. And then I came back and it was, you know, then like at week 10 or so, I still felt sick, but good enough to at least move like maybe three times a week, really, really, really lightweights, no intensity. And then that was a struggle for a while. And then by week like 16, so that's, that's a good portion of a pregnancy. That's not half, but like it's a third, right. Where I couldn't do much at all. And then I was able to pick it back up again. And, and so taking time, like not pushing through anything, if you feel terrible, if you feel sick, if your body hurts, um, for whatever reason, then again, being intentional about that and not trying to, there's no pushing through in fitness while you're pregnant. You're, you're training to feel good, not worse. That's for sure. So I'm I'm glad you said that. And so Laura, you, since you're kind of, you're on the other side of the birth fit um, certification, you're a regional director. And so I know you do like pre and postnatal, um, you know, seminars and, and online coaching and all that stuff with mamas and mamas to be, um, what are your thoughts I mean, lifting, programming, cardio, um, tell me if I was a pregnant mama you're working with, what would kind of be your general recommendations about those types of things? Yeah. So I like to say, I think a a pretty good week would be four days on. So maybe like a Monday, Tuesday, rest Wednesday, and then train Thursday, Friday, and then take the weekend off for some sort of active recovery where you're moving and maybe go for walks and, or swim or a hike or ride your bike or whatever. Um, but four intentional days in the gym, I think is pretty, pretty awesome. And all four of those days doing some sort of like quote unquote heavy lift. So maybe two of the days every other. So Monday and, um, Thursday, no, yeah. Monday, Thursday, you are focusing on upper. So you're doing some sort of strict, um, upper body lift, maybe a press, a bench press, a push press. Um, and then the other two days, more focusing more on the lower body. So, um, I love box squats during pregnancy because we get all that relaxing built up in our system and things get a little looser. (laughs) And so box squats really force you to maintain tension. You know, you sit back to the box, then you have to engage everything before you stand up, just kind of really instills good form. And then also it's great because the box can meet you wherever you're at. So if you have a hard time maintaining proper form and stability, getting all the way down below parallel, you can set that box. So it's a little bit above parallel, parallel or at parallel. Um, and you squat to where your, you know, your threshold is in terms of being able to maintain form. Um, so I love those. And and then I love sumo deadlifts too, Mm -hmm. because now you've got all this space for your belly. Um, I stopped doing regular deadlifts early, like probably 20 weeks and just solely did sumos. I like the way it felt on my low back better. Mm-hmm. I like the space that provided for my belly better. I actually PR'd my deadlift during pregnancy, which I don't say, I don't tell anyone to push to try and PR, but it's just, it happened, right. <laughs> you know, um, just based on how you feel, you go for a heavy for that day or a set of five by five or whatever. Um, so that's, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the box squat. And so one thing, so working in the clinic and working with people that are injured or people that don't know how to squat, um, or don't really know how to do anything functionally is, is huge. And so for us, a lot of the times it's like, they don't get low enough. Um, Mm -hmm. and so 
that's one thing that I was always focused on, like telling them you can get low in a squat as long as you're doing it correctly. For me, mm-hmm. on the flip side, because of and a lot of women, um, because of the relax and because I have more flexibility, um, I can drop down booty to the ground in a squat. Does that mean I should? No, because yeah, I'm not stabilizing. I I've got the, what they call the butt wink down there. If I had weight loaded on my back, um, my core is not stabilizing. I'm not in a good position, um, you know, functionally. Um, but to an outsider that's maybe looking at me, it's like, Oh wow, she's got a great squat. She can get so low. Not really. Look so, at that flexibility. Right. Like that's huge. You can be too flexible. Too yeah. flexible. You can be too flexible on the other end, especially like you said, during pregnancy with, you know, everything's relaxants preparing you for, you know, delivering a giant watermelon mm-hmm. <laughs> through we a tiny hole. Down there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I love that you brought up the box swap because I think that can be a huge tool that people maybe don't think of. And to kind of go back to initially what you were saying, I know we are talking a lot about functional fitness and CrossFit, you know, quote unquote. Um, but I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, the general recommendation from most from most medical providers is if you've been doing functional fitness or CrossFit and that's something they're used to, you can continue to do that. Again, making accommodations based on listening to your body. Would you recommend someone just being like, I got pregnant, I'm 16 weeks, I want to start CrossFit, like What's your, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, I would. But, but I wouldn't say just go start CrossFit. I would Mm -hmm. say if someone like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you're training for a really important athletic event. And Mm -hmm. so I do think that someone who's never done anything in their life can start something after they get pregnant, but it should be under the watchful eye of a professional. It shouldn't, I I wouldn't even recommend like just looking stuff up online and doing it yourself. I'd Mm -hmm. say find someone, whether it's, you know, ideally a birth fit coach Mm -hmm. to be able to work with you one-on-one or in a group setting, like a prenatal series of some sort of prenatal workshop where you've got eyes on you, watching you scaling for you. Um, and I, I think, I think that's actually a good thing to do. Um, you know, you're preparing for something really important and building that strength and also not even just like the physical strength that comes from it, but also the mental kind of empowerment that comes from taking that time every day or however many times a week to train your body and get in tune with your body. And I know I never feel more in touch with my body than when I'm, um, have some sort of a good training regimen going because you start to get really in tune with how things feel. And, um, I think it's a really, really cool, really powerful experience. So I definitely don't just jump into, don't go join a CrossFit gym and jump into classes. Um, unless you know that one of the coaches there is extremely experienced in working specifically with pregnant women. Yeah. And absolutely. Um, I mean, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off there. I feel like, you know, it's with everything, you know, people mention CrossFit and you get this idea in your head that everyone's lifting super heavy weight and that's what they're starting with. And it's so intimidating, but I feel like it would be the same as someone who's never done CrossFit before, regardless of if you're pregnant or not. You should be focused initially on, can you do an air squat? Can you get really good at that? Like, are you doing these movements properly without a load? And then you're kind of working from there. And again, you're not going to be focused on PRing. I mean, the, the purpose no. of the purpose of training during pregnancy, if you were to start up CrossFit, would be to prepare your body you know, for this delivery to be optimally healthy in all aspects. And like you said, the mental part of it too. So I feel like that's an important caveat to mention when you are saying, yeah, you can start CrossFit, but this is what you should be focused on. Not yeah, like your exactly. grace time or your friend time. No, or whatever. You're not trying to PR. <laughs> well, I guess if someone just starts CrossFit, uh, when they're pregnant, they're going to PR everything. Cause they probably haven't done any of it before. True. Very true. <laughs> but I like to think of this time as like a way, it's a period where you are, really focusing on your body, getting in tune, taking a step back, working on form. And then after you've had the baby and you take the time off and you slowly get back into it, starting with breath work and then functional progressions and starting from the ground up, it's almost an opportunity to like really improve your overall fitness by starting from square one and really getting your form proper. And then, so when you are slowly adding weight again, by the end of that, you know, once you've hit maybe old numbers, you're probably going to then start to PR because you've had this time to kind of refresh and start from square one and really focus on 
how you're moving and moving safely and moving effectively and efficiently. And so, um, I think that's a pretty, it's a pretty cool opportunity if you can kind of spin it that way, like silver lining, you get a baby, which is the best thing, but then also it's an opportunity to, to improve your overall fitness, um, Mm -hmm. in the long run. It just takes patience in the meantime. So can you, I know you had a reader question and I know there's quote unquote, a no list, um, some things that you generally do want to avoid. Um, so I think, I'll let you kind of introduce this reader question because it was directed okay. to you. But um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So Barbell Blondie 75 asked, um, overall, uh, what are some overall do's and don'ts of cross movements during pregnancy? And then how does this change the further along you are? Um, and so some overall do's I kind of already mentioned, you know, you want to focus on especially the strict functional lifts, press, squat, deadlift, um, and then, but obviously doing those things very intentionally, proper weights, um, and properly spread out. And then as far as the don'ts go, and then I also say for do's, um, really something I really love is, uh, equal work to rest ratio. So EMOMs every minute on the minute type work or 30 seconds on 30 seconds off, because that kind of mimics, um, the contractions of labor. So, I mean, yeah, so I love that because you, you're working really hard for, let's say 30 seconds and then you rest for 30 seconds. And I like equal. I found that as, um, I got further along, I used to be able to do like 20 on 10 off. And then now it's like, okay, I want about as much rest as I have, um, work because then I feel like I'm getting proper oxygen in and it just, it feels better. So any mom, you maybe will do the first 30 seconds, like seconds of kettlebell swings. And then, and I like to do kettlebell swings just to eye level, um, when we're pregnant, because again, of the relaxing, um, when you go all the way overhead, it's more, you're potentially more likely to overextend your low back. So I like that Russian kettlebell swing to eye level, um, and then 30 seconds of rest. And you do that maybe 10 times, something like that. As far as don'ts go, anything with a crunch. So, um, that would be toes to bar, knees to elbow, sit-ups, crunches, mountain climbers, those types of things where you're pulling your knees up in any way and crunching down. And that's where you see that kind of alien bridging. Um, so if you were to look down while you did a sit up when you're pregnant, you'll see that your belly kind of turns into more of like a peak in the middle versus a nice, pretty round melon. Um, and that's where we start to, when you do that continuously, that's when we start to see that separation where the abs separate and you get a space between, and that can be something that is really hard to heal and can create issues down the, down the line. So that's a big one. Yeah. I can speak to that personally. I'm currently, um, consulting with a birth fit coach. I'm Dr. Bolin, who's like the expert with like diastasis stuff. And so I have, I had a pretty significant diastasis, um, postpartum after my first, and then it got worse with my second as well, because things are just spread out, you know, already. Um, but it is a challenge if you don't address it initially, like I didn't, um, it can be very challenging postpartum, not only functionally, but the aesthetic of it. I mean, you still look, I mean, for me, mine is so significant. You still kind of look pregnant a little bit. Um, so that's a mental thing too, but just to kind of jump in and put my two cents from a personal side, yeah. like that's very, a very real thing. And most people by all accounts would have said, she's super fit. Like, you know, she's going to be mm-hmm. great after pregnancy. Like, it's going to be awesome. She's going to be able to jump right back into it. But she's going to get her old body back, her pre baby body. Yeah. Back. <laughs> I hate that. Oh my God. <laughs> Me too. Such so much. Um, but yeah, so it's a very real thing. Um, and people mm-hmm. don't really think about that. So sorry, continue. Oh, You're doing good. I love it. Good. Um, you've been through all, I'm, I'm on, I'm still on the, this side of the fence. You've been, through, you're on the other <laughs> side twice. So it's good. I love it. Um, so yeah, that kind of stuff. And then also for, you know, for, and then there's some things that are going to vary from woman to woman. I see most women, even super fit ones, when they do a pull from above, like a pull up, um, I'll see that bridging. Sometimes they don't really notice it, but I've seen videos. I've worked with moms. They're like, yeah, I'm still doing pull-ups. And I watch them and I'm like, huh. So it's something to be super aware of. Some women are fine, but others doing a pull-up, strict, kipping, whatever, you'll see some bridging there. So that's something to take note of. I stopped doing pull-ups probably around 20 weeks as well um, and switched to ring rows because I can maintain really nice tension through my midline um, with the belly breath and avoid any sort of bridging at all. So that's something to take note of. And then other movements, there's some, there's some that are kind of gray area, like a box jump, for instance. I personally do not condone or um, super high box jumps because the risk to reward for me is a little um, 
is, is pretty clear in terms of if you fall, right, you're falling forward. So that could mean you're potentially falling on the belly. Um, I, you know, but then there's low, like a low box jump where you're totally in control and you know, you're going to get up, you know, maybe like even just 10, 12 inches. If that feels good, go for it. You know, it's, it's again, it's, I, I know a lot of women, myself included, had to stop running at like the first trimester because it felt so uncomfortable, but I'm still jumping rope not double unders, regular jump rope, single unders. And then, um, I just stopped doing low box jumps and I switched to step ups. So there's definitely things like, you know, people might say, no, no, you can't do any jumping because your pelvic floor, it really depends on the person. If you feel any pressure down there, if you, if there's any incontinence, if you're peeing your pants, then you need to pull back and start working more on functional progressions and on breathing and on strengthening the pelvic floor and on avoiding, um, that sort of like that pressure down there. But if you feel fine, then, then it's cool. And it's being in tune with your body. So, um, and then things like, yeah, go for it. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, I talking about breath work, people don't really understand that. I mean, what I've learned so far in my own kind of journey with birth fit is that how important or how the diaphragm, um, is, really related to the pelvic floor and the core. And by just focusing on breath work, you know, we can keep and maintain a strong pelvic floor and kind of avoid all of those things that people talk about, the the incontinence, not necessarily that you will for sure avoid it, but you can lessen, um, you know, those. And potentially like you have it at first, but then you can heal it, like fix that absolutely, in time. Absolutely. So you can, yeah. there are things you can be doing, um, constantly that will make your recovery and your whole experience a lot less, you know, what the, it, the, the negative, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and easier to come back from. And when we say come back from, we don't mean like get your six pack back. We yeah. mean like feel good yes. and be functionally well. Yes. Um, that's what's most important. And when, it, when I'm talking about breath work, it's diaphragmatic breathing, which is like, where you, if you were to lay down on your back, um, and just, you put your hands on your lower belly and you can, you breathe basically into your hands and being able to hold that, like, um, that breath, not holding the breath, but holding that, maintaining that kind of tension, um, that stability as you breathe. So it's that kind of low belly breath where a lot of times we're taught to like squeeze your belly button to your spine, um, or suck into brace when really we should be kind of breathing out into that low belly. And that's actually a brace that's engaging the full core. And I think let's link to, um, to a video with Dr. Bolin, um, about that breath. Cause I think it's a lot easier to watch it than to just hear it explained. Yeah. But you know, for someone who's like, I don't know where to start. I want to start somewhere. The diaphragmatic breathing, just working on breath work and doing that when you're pregnant before and after every workout, just kind of reconnecting with your breath, your pelvic floor and your diaphragm are directly connected. So when you're doing proper breath work, you're going to have those two things working in tandem. It's going to strengthen your, um, your pelvic floor as well as utilizing your diaphragm. So it's really important to be able to do that during pregnancy because it's going to be super important as you, um, as you get into, uh, labor and delivery and then postpartum. Okay. So then moving on into the second part of our question was, which was just, um, how does this change the further along you are? Again, it's really a matter of being in tune with your body, listening to signals. So as far as like things like jumping or squatting, you're going to get a little bit looser down there. Um, you might need to pull back on the weight as you get in the third trimester. These are also things you should be talking to your provider about. Um, and if you're working with a coach, just in terms of like helping you to decide when to pull back, how to pull back. But I really think the most important thing is listening to your body. You'll, you'll feel, I know I've cut way back on weight um, as I get closer to the end here. Um, especially in the squat, it just doesn't feel good. And the deadlift, all of it, you know, we're, we're being intentional. It's almost like a tapering period. Um, my dog, you can hear that my dog's whining in the background. <laughs> it's almost like a tapering period as you get closer to the event. Um, and so that's a big one. And then also another one um, is the Olympic lifts. I highly recommend as you your bump grows and now you've got something obstruct, obstructing that bar path that you just switch to dumbbells. So um, this is for a couple reasons. First off, you definitely don't want to hit that belly with a barbell. Um, it hurts, I've, I've heard. And it also, um, that's pretty dangerous for the, the little girl and one in there. So, um, and also maybe even earlier than that, I switched from pulling from the floor to hang. Hang, Olympic lifts like hang snatch and hang clean just because because you're there's just more force 
acting on your low back. And so pulling from the ground um, for high rep or whatever um, can be a little bit tougher. Um, and so, so it's nice to take from the hang. And then as you start to have that obstructed bar path with the belly, um, you want to switch to dumbbells because then you're not worried about, first off, like messing up your bar path um, as uh, when you come back to lifting. Like I said, this is a period of potential refresh and start fresh and, and kind of regroup and improve your form. But if you spend, you know, the second half of pregnancy knocking that bar out and around the belly, those patterns are going to stick with you when you come back to the barbell um, postpartum. So yeah. it, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not hurting anything by taking that extra time, just moving to dumbbells, um, avoiding the potential of knocking that belly and then also avoiding the potential of potentially like really messing up your, um, your, what you've worked so hard to instill in terms of the, the, you know, the proper mechanics of those lifts. Yeah. I know I personally, um, with coaching and with myself, I, move to kettlebells, like you said, dumbbells, kettlebells, things that mm-hmm. aren't that bar straight across. Um, cause you can still get so much out of a workout like that and, and focusing on form or, you know, shortening the bar path or whatever. Um, I think it just takes rephrasing your mental your mentality about it. It's like, okay, not thinking like, oh, I can't do snatches with a barbell anymore. That sucks. It's more like, okay, what can I do? Like I can't do snatches with a barbell, but I can get really, really good at single arm kettlebell snatches or whatever. Exactly. Um, So a lot of that I'm sure is a mental thing too, especially especially if you've been competitive or this is a huge part of your life, your identity, it's just kind of rephrasing your thoughts behind, behind it. Yeah, it was fun because the open this year was all dumbbells. So I I scaled everything significantly, but I still, I could, you know, it was nice to be able to use the same dumbbell, the same tool as everybody else. Um, And dumbbells are very effective. And and if you're doing like cleans and snatches with the dumbbell, you're still really working those mechanics of, Mm -hmm. of quarter extremity and pulling yourself under the weight. And um, so I, I love it. Um, and I think that it actually can improve your lifts down the line versus messing them up by sticking with a barbell when it's going to totally change your, um, your technique. So awesome. So we had a lot to talk about today and we are just going, we're we're dropping all sorts of knowledge (laughs) bombs. Um, so what we're probably going to do is talk a little bit about self-care. I know we wanted to talk about nutrition, um, today, the information, is so valuable. I feel like we don't want to rush through it. So we'll probably save that for a whole nother, um, mm. podcast so we can really devote to maybe that. the next one, maybe yeah. the next one. Um, and so, but self-care, I think we can really talk about that. Not that it's any less important, but just, um, you know, I feel like it's, it's something that we can easily move through, um, right now. So I know again, Laura's in it right now. So she's going to have a lot to contribute on this topic, but let's just talk about some of the ways that you are taking care of yourself. Cause I know you have really made that an important, um, priority for you. So yeah. I know, you know, things like meditation and walking and, and all that stuff is, is just a super way, super easy way to, to get that in. So tell me, how are you you know, for instance, meditation or mindfulness, like how, what are some of the things that you're incorporating into your day to kind of prepare you for, you know, getting through pregnancy and also the labor and delivery process and postpartum? Yeah. Well, segueing from uh, fitness, I think that is a part of it for me. Um, maintaining that routine of my life that makes me feel like there's some normalcy in terms of going to the gym four or five days a week and being around my community and being a part of that tribe. Um, that has really been great for my, my mindset and, you know, staying in tune with who I am. I'm not just a pregnant woman now. I'm still me going to the gym with my routine and my people. And so that's been huge. And again, just like, um, surrounding myself with my tribe. I'm lucky to have a lot of amazing friends who are also relatively new moms. So, um, being around them and being able to ask them questions, but then also seeing them and like, Hey, they still have wonderful lives, even though they have kids and, and just, it's all, it makes it very, um, I don't know, really an enjoyable experience. So I think who you surround yourself with is huge because I think a lot of women find when they get pregnant, there can be a lot of negativity or, or opinions that can bring you down. So number one would be kind of putting yourself in a position where you're surrounding yourself with people who are going to raise you up and make you feel good about who you are and what you're doing and the choices that you're making and not no judgment. That's big. Um, 
I started seeing a mindfulness coach about two and a half years ago because I was dealing with some chronic neck pain and I wanted to, and I was really, I mean, when you deal, anyone who's dealt with chronic pain, you know, that it kind of consumes your life and it can kind of spiral you into a place of darkness. And so I wanted to find a therapist, but I didn't want anyone who was just going to give me medicine. I wanted someone who was going to actually help me get to like the root of it and, and feel better. So I found someone who is specifically a mindfulness coach and, um, I saw her like, every other week for a while. And then we moved away and then came back and I've been seeing her throughout pregnancy. And that is huge. Finding someone to talk to or finding some sort of, for me with this mindfulness stuff, I really needed like a hands-on approach where someone could kind of walk me through meditations and teach me tools that I could then utilize on my own. So that was really huge, but there's also a lot of great resources. You can Google like mindfulness books or, websites and find, I like mindfulness better than just straight up meditation because mindfulness helps you to get in touch with like, with your body and what's going on inside you. And it's really a focus on being present. Um, and so I found it to be really, really positive for me. So that's been huge. Um, walking has been amazing. I take a walk every day, either put in a podcast or some sort of mindfulness mantra type thing and, um, and just walk or leave my phone at home entirely and go. We've got a lot of cool nature trails around here. And then also I can walk along the water. Um, that's been great for me. So those are like the three main things is the people you surround yourself with. Um, moving for me, going to the gym, which kind of coincides with that mindfulness has been huge. Um, so those are really big and they really helped me to kind of create a meditation practice in a way without having to like lay down and just meditate. Cause that that's harder for me to control. Yeah, you probably fall asleep at this point if you yeah, lay down. <laughs> exactly. Well, I was I'm also gonna... like, because my chiropractor um, does cranial sacral work as well. So we do every time about 20 minutes and she puts on a, a meditation of some kind, um, like chakra meditation and just works on soft tissue work. So I have this built-in meditation at least once a week. And that's yeah. also really nice. That's amazing. And I know birth fit, one of their four pil- pillars is mindset and they have, um, I'm even contemplating, you know, working with their, the mindfulness coach, um, you know, because it's, it's so important. It's, it's not just like you said, it's not meditation. It's like, rephrasing for me, I'm a very anxious person, um, type a, so I can really get to a negative place. If I feed into those thoughts, whether that's, Oh my God, I'm stressed out. Like this is so hard. Um, I'm overwhelmed. Um, I can really like go down a dark path if I don't learn how to control the mind, basically, like you have control over your thoughts. That's pretty much the only thing you have absolute control over. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I know that BirthFit does offer that, which is just a huge, in my opinion, because a lot of times it's always for pregnant women. It's about like the physical aspect of it. Like, are they healthy? Like, are they eating well? Are they moving well? But I feel like mindset is so huge, um, with that. And I'll kind of jump in on, on my experience. I know Laura's doing a lot of amazing things. Um, for me, I use, um, this app and this is not like an ad or anything like that, but I needed something to guide me. Um, and it was, it's called expectful. And basically they have guided meditations, um, for all aspects like prenatal preconception, um, during pregnancy and even like postpartum, um, while you're like in this new experience of becoming a mom, um, some things that you can kind of focus on. And to me, like I cannot meditate. I can't like, I have tried it. I, I know it's so important and good for you. I cannot sit and clear my mind. (laughs) so hard. It's so hard. So I've actually been reading this book. Um, and I'll put this in the show notes too, but it's called you have four minutes to change your life. And it's basically simple four minute meditations for, I mean, just any situation. And it, it tells you, you know, positions to use. It tells you when you can do it. Like if, if you're sitting in your car, because to me, I always thought you have to do meditation this certain way. You have to be like in a room by yourself, like sitting, you know, cross-legged with your Mm -hmm. hands up or whatever. Um, and so, yeah. Um, and this mom, it's a mom and she wrote this book for people like me basically. And she is all about the fact that meditation it's not that you have to have a completely clear mind. You just have to, you know, be present, recognize thoughts, um, you know, redirect. Like it's not that you're just sitting there 
free from thought. Um, no, that's, that's not possible. That's not possible. <laughs> Um, so that book I highly recommend it's Rebecca Baruki, um, and she's awesome. Um, and then for me, what meditation was, was visualization. I don't know if you're doing any of this, Laura, but visualizing what I wanted my birth experience to be like, what, um, meeting my baby was going to be like. And I just would get teary eyed, like thinking about it. I mean, I'm sure you're in the same place, but um, practicing that over and over in my mind, um, the emotions and also the pain. And I know people talk about how painful childbirth is. It is, but for me, it was reframing it as not necessarily pain, like, ow, I'm dying. Like this hurts so bad, but like this pain is bringing my baby to me. It is painful. It's pain, but it's productive pain. Um, and every contraction that I was going through, you know, trying to, this is before I even went through labor and delivery, but, you know, trying to already get to that mindset because once you're in it, it's like primal, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's like you, your mental, and this is like literally science, your mental capacity is not like a thinking brain. It's just a feeling brain. Um, and so to be able to practice kind of thought control, I guess, before I think was super helpful for me, at least. Um, I'm so excited yeah. for you to go through it. <laughs> I'm actually really <laughs> excited to go through it too. Yeah. Having dealt with chronic pain where you, there's no end in sight. You don't understand why it's happening. It's not for any purpose. Like I just, I'm excited for a type of pain that, which is sounds mas- a little bit, a little bit masochistic, <laughs> but, um, I'm excited for the process because I know I get to meet my daughter. And then also it's, it's, you know, every contraction brings you one step closer. And so, and that just in and of itself is a mindset shift, you know, versus being, I'm not afraid. And it doesn't sound like you were either. You were prepared mentally to like, you knew, and that's why hypnobirthing, I've heard amazing things about it, but I don't know that it would have been for me. And I can't really speak to it because I didn't do it myself, but I've heard that it's a lot of like shifting the mindset to not call it pain and to, you know, to kind of like never address the fact that it hurts, which I could see how that would work for for a lot of people potentially. But for me, it's like, I'm going to call it what it is and I'm going to try to embrace it for what it is and understand that it's like, it serves such a, like a purpose of such high magnitude that, that it's something that it's like a, it's empowering to go through that and come out the other side and, and you, you know, you, you've created this life. So yeah, um, that's not, not no judgment. It's just, I don't yeah. know if that would have been for me. And I don't want to, I, I always hesitate sharing my stories, um, mm-hmm. personal stories because I don't want to scare anybody. Cause I had people that were like, Oh my God, like this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> um, but I will say like with my first, I I prepared for pain. I did done everything that I could possibly do, but you still, it's like, you don't know what it's going to be like to you're actually physically experiencing it. And it was a mm-hmm. lot harder for me, um, to get through. Cause I didn't think it was ever going to end. Honestly, yeah. I, like I said, it was 24 hours. It was, it was hard. Um, but I will say going through that and knowing that it does end and I could do it empowered me the second go around to where I knew, I mean, I was like, I was laughing between contractions towards the very end. Like I was literally about to deliver my daughter and I was like, Oh my God, this is so awesome. And so, um, <laughs> I think, yeah, like that experience, it really prepares you for future, like, you know, future deliveries, but also just your whole life. Like we're mm. getting off on a tangent here. I am, but I like love it. in relation to what you learn that your body can do and what mentally you can get through, um, Mm -hmm. through with the labor and delivery process, everything else is just, it's like, Oh, I mean, I sprained my ankle or, Oh my gosh, I'm having a hard day. It's like, eh, it, it's not as bad. (laughs) And I still, I don't know if other people do this, but I still, um, use, I hesitate to say this, but this is just me. I'm going to be real. If my husband's like, oh, I don't feel good. Like, I have a cold. You know, like, husbands are babies. I'm like, oh, really? Well, I deliver two babies naturally, so (laughs) I'm pulling that card. (laughs) Yeah, you can still do the dishes. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love it. So anyways, I'm sure some people out there will be like, oh, that's not right. Like, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Sometimes, mom, <laughs> sometimes mama just needs to pull that card. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So anyways, um, back to what we're doing. I know we're like 
rounding up on like an hour here, but um, we, yeah. I know you talked about walking for the mental benefits, but also physical benefits of walking. Um, for me, again, posterior positioning of my first kiddo was what led to a super long labor. And part of that was because of my, um, the, the physical state of my ligaments and tendons, in particular the psoas. Um, so I know walking really, really helps lengthen that. It also um, strengthens your back. Um, and allows you, if you have a less, less tension in that muscle, it allows that, that baby to get into a better positioning for delivery. And so that's what I know a lot of times chiropractic care, um, throughout your pregnancy can also assist with, but walking is a huge, um, contributor to that. And also, again, I'm sure you're doing it now, but it can kind of encourage that baby to drop quote unquote, Mm -hmm. um, and engage in a position that's going to kind of kickstart all those hormonal processes that really allow you to go into labor. Um, so that's huge. And you only see the chiropractor maybe an hour a week. Um, and then you have another, however many hours to make sure you're also doing things on your own. So, you know, by walking, that's much better than like reclining on a couch, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing is going to put baby potentially posterior or even breech. So, um, spending time up and moving, laying. I like to, I have a rule for myself now. Like what, if I'm going to be looking at Instagram, I have to be doing it over the yoga ball. So I, <laughs> I put my knees on the ground and then like my upper body and elbows on the yoga ball. So I'm leaned forward to help to get her. Cause I'm super worried about posterior because, um, I was and the same thing. I've got some psoas stuff on the left side. So, so yeah, it's both beneficial for mind and body, which is pretty awesome. Yep. And then, uh, and then some other good stuff, kind of just to round it out, um, time with your partner um, or just like I, we mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier being around people that, that raise you up. But I think it's really important in this period to spend a lot of time with your partner um, if you have one, because it allows for first off that person to feel like they're part of the journey, to feel like, hey, they still exist, even though you've got this, you so much of your energy is going towards this baby inside you. And then you guys are able to connect, which will you know, you know, and like have sex, spend time together, do the <laughs> things you love to do. <laughs> I know for some women it's great during pregnancy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's something to consider. Um, and then just making them feel like they're a part of it, having that bonding connection, with someone and helping him or her to understand so that then, you know, you've got someone like on your, t- on your team who understands versus bottling it up and holding it inside. Like that person wants to be able to participate. So, um, letting them in can be really, really beneficial for both that person and also yourself and, and the journey. And then going into labor and delivery, you've got someone who knows the whole journey, not just this all of a sudden, well, what the hell? It's like, they've been there through this with you. They're, um, they're, they're active prepared. in the whole process yeah. rather than passive. And that's huge. I mean, for me, to speak to the sex thing, I know that's kind of like, there's like threefold. Okay. At the end of pregnancy, some people are like, yeah, let's do it. Some people are like, don't touch me. <laughs> like, it's not what I want to do. But again, it's like just a way to connect with your partner. Not only that, I think there's some, some studies and literature out there that kind of show that I think it's like the prostaglandins from, oh my gosh, I feel like a teenage boy right now, from ejaculation or semen <laughs> can help ripen the cervix and kind of move yep. things along. Um, and also, you know, you're not gonna be able to really do that for like six weeks if you're sticking to, um, the general recommendation. Um, and so that can be a hard thing for your partner to go through mentally. Um, and also, you know, the baby's here, your focus is all on the baby as it, you know, really should be because you're trying to keep this little human alive. Um, but just in those later, later terms of pregnancy, it can just be something that's really helpful for your relationship. Um, totally agree. And again, so that kind of goes, you know, time with your partner, you know, doing the things that you love to do, whether that's going to the movies or going to a coffee shop and reading a book and, you know, drinking a decaf or whatever, um, do those. And I know at the end of pregnancy, and it's like, I remember vividly with my son just being so impatient and being like, I want him here like now, 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 now. And being so focused on that, especially, you know, when I I went 41 weeks with my kiddos. And so I hit 40 weeks and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I really regret being so focused on that when I, in hindsight, wish I would have been enjoying those last few moments with my husband, um, as just the two of us, you know, um, so I definitely Good for me to hear right now. That's yes. for sure. Oh my gosh. I catch myself like 
you know, I wish she would come now, but then at the same time, like we only have so many weeks or days potentially left, just the two of us. So. Absolutely. And it's hard. It's, it's so hard. It's like the biggest conundrum in the world. Um, and mm-hmm. you don't know until they're there. There's so much easier to keep safe and healthy in your stomach. Once they're <laughs> out in the world, it's like, oh, there's a Scarier. whole nother set of worry and, you know, responsibilities that come with it. And that's, it's a good thing, obviously, like, yeah, they're, that they're out and you're, you have them physically with you. But, um, I think just appreciating each phase of pregnancy it should be a focus, yeah. but it is hard. It is. Yeah. And so like uh, tomorrow, my husband's got a series of interviews this week to offer it with fire departments and he's done tomorrow. And so I keep saying, maybe you can come on Friday, <laughs> you know, maybe just two days from now, but um, we're planning tomorrow to like go see Wonder Woman and get to go to our favorite restaurant for like an early dinner. And so we're trying to do a date once a week. Um, it's funny because as I get more tired and like, I can't really eat a lot at night because it's hard to sleep. So we've been doing a lot of lunch dates, which is really great. Um, so just trying to spend as much time as possible together. And what I found, and I think a lot of moms find is towards the end, like the final trimester, you get a little bit more um, like introspective and less social and maybe you don't feel like going out as much. Um, and so that's where it's also nice to have connected with your partner throughout this whole period so that in those final weeks when you are a little bit more introspective and want to be a little bit less social that you've still got, you've got him and he understands her and he, they understand why you are kind of closing up a little bit and they're there for you. And, and for me right now, he's kind of like, if I don't feel like doing anything or talking to anyone, I still want to talk to my husband. <laughs> and so, because he gets where I'm coming from and, and he's contented to sometimes just be in the same room and just sit together and be quiet. And so um, I think this has twofold, like, including your partner in that whole journey allows them to be there towards the end. When things do get a little, you're in this weird kind of limbo where you want the baby to come, but you want to enjoy life before and all that. And then also um, accepting and kind of appreciating that, that alone time, that introspective time, because it serves a purpose. You're kind of getting in tune with your own emotions and your headspace and preparing for that, that labor and preparing to bring that baby home. Um, so not feeling like you should, you need to go out and do all these things towards the end, but being cool, just, Hey, I'm going to just stay home and do my thing and be quiet and a little bit introverted and introspective and um, prepare for this time. I think that's totally a like evolutionary primary thing. Cause if you look at like animals and when they're about to deliver, I, th- I feel like that's just a signal that the end, that it's coming soon because they're not out there like with the herd, like running around, like they're looking for a quiet place, like for cats, for instance. Okay. We're not cats, but everyone kind of has that instinctual, Um, desire to find a quiet place to be alone, to make sure that they're safe. You know, obviously we're, we don't have threats of like predators, but like it is instinctual to just want to retreat and withdraw a little bit and just prepare. Um, and I think that's just so fascinating. I think everyone goes through that. It's kind of, it's a really cool kind of powerful time where you're like, okay, things, there's a shift going on physically. I can feel this kid pushing down on my uterus or my cervix. Um, and then also like emotionally, I can feel like the need to kind of close off a little bit and um, spend more time uh, just kind of thinking and being in tune with who I am and what's going on and what's coming. And, and uh, I kind of love it. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. So I think we pretty much dropped a lot of knowledge bombs. Do you have anything else yeah. you want to add? No, I'm excited for, I, it's, it's fun coming into this second episode. We have this whole like list of things we want to talk about. And, um, I actually, I like that we have to save a huge chunk of it for another episode because, um, you know, we've got a lot to say and, and we're excited to hear more from you guys and what you want to hear and questions you have. We did kind of like a late call for questions last night, but from now, I think from here on out, we'll do a little bit, we'll give a little bit more time yeah. when we call for questions so we can directly address the things you guys want to hear about. Um, but yeah, this has been really fun and I'm excited to, to jump in for more next time. Awesome. And as always, um, you, gosh, it's so funny, like speaking in future terms, but the episode should be up by now, obviously if you're listening to it, but if you like what you're hearing, if you think that we are just totally fun people, cause we are, uh, rate us and write a review on iTunes. Um, that's will help us reach more people. You can also find us on social media. As we mentioned before, Laura is at laura.radicalroots, and I am at just.holdthespace on Instagram. That's probably the best place to find us. And again, you can always email us at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com with any questions, comments, if you just want to connect. I just love talking to people. It's been 
I don't know. It's been so, so much fun. So please feel free to reach out, even if it's not with a question. Um, And then I... Okay, we're, we have a launch, uh, a giveaway that we want to talk about, but we're not going to talk about it yet. We're going to keep you on here. <laughs> we're such a tease. Oh, my goodness. Um, episode three, episode I think, three. we'll be launching a big giveaway. And we'll give you a hint. It's with, it is with Paleo Valley. And you guys might have seen that I've talked about them quite a bit. They have amazing food. I have a whole post on my blog, which we can link to just about them to kind of get you maybe pique your interest, but they're, we're going to team up with them and, and launch a giveaway, um, at our, in our next episode for you guys, you listeners. So stay tuned. Yeah. And, and yeah. hopefully next time we were laughing because we listened to the first podcast and I just like to be candid. I said, um, about 500,000 times. Hopefully this episode was better. I don't know. We'll see, <laughs> but we're still getting the, I pod- it was. It was the, great. the podcast wiggles out. So bear with us. Um, there I go again. Um, why, why? <laughs> <laughs> so bear with us. We're still getting everything ironed out, but, um, it's definitely yeah. super fun and we can't wait to bring more episodes to you guys. Yeah. So thanks for listening and we will talk to you, talk at you next, <laughs> next week. Um, and in the meantime, feel free to reach out in any way you want. And, uh, thanks for being a part of this. Sounds good. Bye guys. Bye guys. Thank you.